0: Good morning. This is a miraculous church. You walk in, sit in the front row. There's hardly anybody here. You turn around and it's full. Amazing. Good to see you all again. What a privilege to be here. Um, your weather has finally changed, I see. It's made up its mind. It's, uh, we're here until September. I'm here with my beautiful wife and daughter, uh, Nora and Sarah. The last time I got Sarah to stand up and speak, she um, almost took the stage. She, she got up and she said, happy wife, happy life. That's how she introduced herself. And then she finally ended off by saying, if he's not careful, I'll take over. So, and she could do that. Sarah spoke in Boston for Mother's Day, and uh, did such an amazing job. So, so gifted, so blessed uh, to be married to a woman that's fighting the fight with you, that's going for it, that it never steps back, never uh, pulls out on any challenge we have. We sang such good songs today, Ben. Where are you? That those were great songs. They. They're everything I'm talking about today. You know, just great is your faithfulness. And uh, no matter what I face, the battle's won. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Uh, he's, he's given us the victory. Pastor Dennis asked me to speak today out of the book of Acts chapter 5 from verse 17 uh, through to the end. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you what it is. Um, the book of Acts is absolutely thrilling book um it was written by the physician Luke you know that and uh in it he he lays out the process of how the church started and then grew and uh, so Acts chapter 2 is this explosion of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit falls on the 120 and uh my interpretation is a little different to some of the original Renaissance painters where there's a little match flame on the head of the disciple. I don't see match flames. I, I see <laughs> a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire. I'm a little bit more dramatic than that. I don't think it was a pip. I, I think it was power. And uh, we notice when they start out in Acts chapter 2, Um, Verse uh, 47, it speaks about the fact that the church uh, was added to. By Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says they multiplied. And then in Acts chapter 6, verse 6, it says they greatly multiplied. So there was this, this, this explosion out. Anything God has his hand in multiplies massively. Anything God's got his hand in you can say amen any time. Anything God's got his hand in multiplies massively. When you when you give him two, uh, uh, two loaves and a couple of fish, um, it's multiplied. After feeding thousands and thousands of people, it's multiplied to the place where they leave with 12 baskets. I mean, this is the type of God we serve. He comes to a party, and the wine runs out, and he takes water, and he makes 40 gallons, more than they can cope with. He gets a hold of the fishermen at the sea. He says, cast your net on the right side, and there's so much fish, they can't pull it in. They have to get other boats to help them pull it in. This is how God works. And today, we, we I'm concerned that we've lost vision of the miraculousness of God. We've lost vision of what God can do and will do. Here in Acts chapter 5, we notice that uh, that starts off with a, a massively impactful event. You find that Ananias and Sapphira determined to lie to the Holy Spirit. They they uh, they they mislead the leadership of what they're doing. It's about money again. And so right there and then, the one per, the one lies, uh, Ananias. And his wife comes in and they ask her the same question. She lies, both drop dead. Massively uh, powerful picture. The whole whole of Jerusalem is shocked by this. In in, in other words, this is a community you can't mess around in. You better mean what you say. If you're involved, you better be totally involved. Don't, don't come in and play games. You're one thing in this room and you're another thing outside. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be committed. In fact, in that is the key to power. I'll talk more about that just now. It's doing what God wants you to do. It's being totally obedient, knowing that God can trust you totally. That God will release to you what others will never see. It's in our our watered down commitment so often that we don't see God manifest as he wants to. So here Ananias and Sapphira is an example and all of a sudden it says, from there the apostles did great signs and wonders, so much so the power was so, so manifest, so evident, that it said when Peter walked past somebody and his shadow came across them, Bam, they were healed. Just a shadow. I mean, these are manifestations. That's why they call them signs and wonders. Signs that make you wonder. You understand? Just massive things. Today, we don't believe this anymore in most places. Most churches don't subscribe to the fact that God is still a God of the miraculous. My wife and I have to live in a world where everything we do... Is, is, is either miraculous or we're in trouble. We, we totally depend on God for everything. We have no uh, a predetermined income, as you know. And yet God has, has used us to travel the world over and over, to build centers with nothing. He's a miraculous God. I'm so sad that so few people see God doing what He promises to do. So, this, this growth of power comes because there's something inside of these people, these apostles, the believers, that is different to the normal. And then, all of a sudden, you see uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 17 the, the Sadducees and the elders uh, become irritated. With the apostles. And of course they are irritated because they are just spreading the power of God all over the place. Wherever they go, there's this multiplication. And so they're jealous over them, the Bible says. And they take them and they forcibly, violently throw them into jail. I don't know. Let's just get real for a second. I don't know how you think. But today if people walked into church... And grabbed you and threw you violently into jail. I wonder what your response would be after that. I wonder how committed you would be after that. If they throw you into a, a common prison. They call it a public prison. A place where everybody could see them. They made a fool of them. I wonder how strong we would be. I ask myself that question. What would happen if we got arrested for what we believed. Sadly, the church today, I don't know that many would stand. And yet, they're in the jail and suddenly an angel comes in. You say, we don't even believe in angels anymore. I've seen angels. An angel comes and unlocks the door. Takes them out and then locks it up Again. Those guarding them couldn't see. Angels have the ability to cover your sight. So you can't see them. And they have an ability to reveal to you. There are angels in this room right now. You can say amen anytime. Any of you who really believe. There are angels in this room right now. Bible tells us he gives angels charge over us. Psalm 91. Angels watch over us. Those who who have a pure heart, those who are close to God, can see into the, the, the spirit realm. They can see the angelic. People have seen the angels around me. I won't tell you how many there are, but they've seen it and they name the same number every time. Wherever I go, I'm guarded by angels. And so this angel walks up, opens the the door, pulls him out, closes the door and gives him an instruction. Says, go straight back and preach again. I wonder how many of us would, if we had the door open, whether we would head for the hills or would go back to exactly where we got arrested. But you see, there's the key. There's something in these apostles that makes them uh, world changers, makes them people that live a life that is dramatically impactful wherever they go. They go straight back and start to preach. And you know the story, what happens is the the scribes and the Sadducees um, come and the elders come and they say to them, we told you not to speak in this name. They don't name the name of Jesus. They just say this name. And he, they, they answer to him and simply say, you, you make up your mind. Is it better to obey man or God? We will obey God. And so they are arrested again, but this time because of fear. They now realize they're in trouble. The, the, the crowd are for the disciples. And they're taken away and they are are, are, are flogged. I was interested in my study to find out that the flogging is 40 lashes. But they hit you 39 times just in case they break the law. And so two-thirds are on the back and one-third is in the front. That's what the flogging is. You get hammered for naming the name of Jesus. Hammond, in front of everybody. And they walked away from there rejoicing. What type of guys are these? They walk away rejoicing, saying, we've been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Guys, this is dramatic, radical stuff. They're living the type of life that God expects us to live. While they, they speaking uh, they they make this statement, they say, "Do you not know that it is because of our obedience, because of obedience that God gives the Holy Ghost well there 's a key this morning i want to I want to open up some stuff to you. I want to show you what type of life we are supposed to be living. The first thing about us is that we need to be. Radically obedient. And now when I'm talking about radically obedient, that means this. There is never a time where I second-guess the Holy Spirit. When, when the Word of God declares I need to live like this, then I build that into my life. I've, I've been given a book called, um, something about eternity. Yeah, John Bavier. And, and driven by eternity. And he says in there, the key to us experiencing the things of God is to have the Word come into our lives, not stay on the bookshelf, but the Word come into our lives and we build the Word into us. The other day, I, 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 I made a phone call and I apparently came across wrong. And at first I wanted to blame the person that listened to me and and then I realized, you know what, maybe there's something in me that when I speak, I don't come across as gentle as I think I do. I mean, you can all see I'm hyper gentle, introverted, you you understand. I remember many years ago, I, I was a pastor of a church about 40 years ago, nearly 40 years ago. And a guy came to me and he said, do you know that every woman in the church is scared of you? I wept. I'm a pastor. How can women be scared of me? I, I had the sense to say, what do I do to make them feel scared? He says, number one, your size. He says, number two, when you're preaching, you come right up to them like this, and you stick your finger in their face i better watch it. <laughs> and I took that moment to be honest with me and say, I, I want to put on peace and gentleness. And I practiced for months to, to present myself in a different way so that I never threaten people. I want to, in every part of my life, come across as a man of God. When I'm in private or when I'm in public, it doesn't matter. Radical obedience. The church, ladies and gentlemen, had, secondly, a radical commitment. I'm concerned about the gospel we preach today. I don't know that it really is the full gospel, because the fruit concerns me. The fruit really concerns me. People seem to get the message that Jesus is there to make you happy. It, it's like, you know what? I can take it or leave it i, I If God doesn't bless me, then I can get irritated. These guys had such a commitment that they did not for anything change their plan. Whether God blessed them and put them in in, in prosperity or whether God put them in persecution, it did not move them. I wonder what we're like today. What sort of gospel has been preached to us? Is that the lifestyle we live one that God has always got to bless us? That's why I said to you, Ben, that song is so important. Even if he doesn't do it, I still know he will do it because he's faithful. I I can't figure out what God's doing in my life many times. I got the most incredible uh, 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 concern year after year. About things that happened on my body, and I, I have to say, Lord, you know, is is this cancer? I remember in the shower one day, washing, and suddenly I felt this lump on my chest, and it was like, Lord, I'm a pastor; I've given myself to you. Are you going to kill me? But I knew better. I took authority. I claimed what he had accomplished on the cross. And in three days, the thing disappeared. I did not go to a doctor. I did not want to hear anybody's opinion. I wanted to, I wanted to, to, to pass the test. No matter how tough it gets, I'm not going to change my commitment. It doesn't matter how my wife and I are rejected. At, in some places, it doesn't matter how we, we, we are given a hard time. It doesn't matter that we live in in a a country that is 99.4% Buddhist. We're committed. We don't change our commitment because we don't have a church to fire us up. Preaching to encourage us. Fellowship to strengthen us. We've learned to run by ourselves. And keep growing in our fire and our commitment to God. What does it take to get that radical obedience which releases the power of the Spirit? Radical commitment which causes God to use you in an unusual way. See, folks, the problem is, if you're half-baked, you're never going to impact anybody. If you're like everybody else, nobody wants to be like you. We've got to learn to be totally radically different in our obedience. So when God says give, we give. If God says go, we go. Today, most most Christians I know wake up and do not even ask God what he wants them to do that day. It's just get up and life is normal. Nothing on the edge. Nothing to extend his purposes. Why? Why? Why, why is it that the church has become so cold? I don't say we don't love God. That's not what I said. But the proof of our love is our obedience and our commitment. You know, when the Bible tells us to give, it's never when it's comfortable. I'm telling you, when God asks us to give, it's not in a time when we're prospering. It's in a time when we're battling. And right there is the test. Because when you learn to, to not give out of your plenty, but you learn to be faithful in your giving. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's a, that, that is the stuff that gets the Holy Ghost to manifest in your life more and more. So I'd like to move towards a close, which means absolutely nothing. I believe that apostles and you and I can find some keys that are going to make us radically different to normal people. I believe it's all in perspective, Pastor Dennis. I believe when when you can see When when you understand something. I'll give you an example. This man I met, I don't know, two, three years ago. I didn't think he was amazing and I didn't think he was a fool. He was a man. He was just another pastor. But I've come to have a revelation. My perspective of who he is has changed radically. Over those three years, I now count him as one of my best friends. How the hell did that happen? (laughs) I tell you how it happened. Because I started to see things about him. I saw the the price he was willing to pay for the friendship. I saw the extra mile over and over again. This last weekend, again, again. He's doing things for me that that is just so incredibly kind. So my perspective of who he is has changed the way I respond to him. Not that I was ever unkind, I hope, but... But now I, I'd like to be around him, I like to talk to him, I like to know what he's doing, I like to understand what he's going through. It's the same perspective that we're supposed to have about Jesus. When you get your perspective right about the price that G point number one, the price Jesus paid for you and I, when you understand how much love took him to the cross. It's a funny thing about my wife. I, I loved her when I met her because it was just, she was just fantastic. And, and the good news is while she was chasing me, I, I responded. <laughs> you know that's a joke. But, but uh, constantly, every time I saw her, I became more and more enthralled by my wife. But it's after I married her That I found out who she really was. And that caused me to go to a level of love where I would die for this woman. Because she literally every day would die for us. Right, Mom? She makes sure we get everything we need, she pays the price. And so when you understand Jesus' sacrifice for you, you can't sniff at that. You can't as a person who's never met Jesus and had a relationship with him, when you understand how he chased you, how he kept people coming back to you, how he never let you go, he never let you die, Though you've been through hell, he was always there. And when you understand that price, Philippians chapter 2, seven steps down and seven steps up. Because he did the seven steps down, God gave him a name that is above every name. He made a way for you and me to reconnect with God. We have God, we have... Eternity in our hearts and a longing to know God, all of us. God keeps chasing us, keeps chasing us until he finds us. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament where Absalom was sent to Joab and said, I want to see you. And Joab sent a message back. He said, I'm busy with my barley field. So the king's son wanted to see him. Royalty wanted to see one of the men. And he said, sorry, I'm busy with my body field. Second time they came, he said, sorry, I'm busy with my body field. Absalom said, when you go back, if he says he's busy with his body field, burn his body field. And it says, and then Joab came quickly. You don't want your body field burnt like mine was. To come to Jesus, you want to know. You want to get a clear perspective. He has given all for you, so you might have everything. These apostles understood. They watched him. They watched him die. They watched him get risen. They watched the price that was paid. I think we don't understand. the the commitment that's required of us or the obedience that's required because we have not really had a revelation, a change of perspective on the price that was paid. Today, when we sing about the cross, there's almost no emotion in many people. It means nothing to them. One of our dear friends, Sarah and myself and Nora, of course, love this man very much. There's a pastor in New Britain called Bob Santasania. Today he's been promoted. He's going to be with the Lord. But Pastor Bob said to me just before he died, he said, Yanni, I'm thinking of changing the name of my church. It's called Calvary, Assembly of God. I said, why do you want to change that name? That's a great name. He said, because nobody knows what Calvary means anymore. I said, but this is America. You taught us. He that has stopped a long time ago, Jan. We don't know what Jesus did anymore. We don't understand the cross. We don't understand the agony. We don't understand the price that was paid for us to be made whole. See, the thing is with kids, the hassle with kids, is they don't know how to measure the price that is being paid for them to be brought up well by their parents. And unfortunately, it's when we get older and we have to pay that price that we suddenly realize what mom and dad really did for us. It's better to try and think about it when you're young. But in the church, we don't think about what it cost him. When we talk about the blood of Jesus, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We don't understand it. We don't feel emotional about it. We don't feel excited about it. We don't feel convicted about it. We've forgotten the price. The second perspective we've got to get right is the reason we were put on this earth. Whether you know it or not, you were put on this earth for a purpose. You have work to do. You've been given an assignment. And that all includes extending, establishing the kingdom of God. You're not here to build a church. You're here to transform people. You're here to introduce people to God. It's not to be done by a pastor. It's to be done by all of us. We're supposed to be reaching out. If you are disconnected from the world... I asked you with tears in my eyes, how are you ever going to win them? I never said you've got to become like the world. I said you had to break into the world. I go to places which would perm your hair. Because you think I'm weird. But I'm telling you I know where to go at the, the, the direction of the Holy Ghost. How to win people to Jesus. The price that was paid. The purpose for which we're on earth. Thirdly, the passion that we should have to see him glorified and see the lost one. Are you passionate about the lost? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because, uh, you know, maybe you'll just feel under pressure. But I want to to ask you this question. What do you do about introducing others to Jesus? How often do you reach out, build relationships strategically, keep on loving and caring because God gave you an assignment? Our family is our assignment, I understand that. It's my duty to make sure, My and Sarah's duty to make sure Nora walks with the Lord and knows the Lord. But our duty is to go beyond that. We live in Thailand and we are strategic about the people we are reaching. We're strategic about how we're going to win Buddhists to the Lord of the highest level. Because we have a passion not to be, to be comfortable but even if we get put in prison, even if we get locked up, even if we get beaten, that we will keep that passion for others that are lost. That we'll always, we'll always realize the reason for this all, the reason he came, is to win as many, if at possible, all back to the Father. Because eternity we're all going to face. Be sure of that. One way or the other, we're going to face eternity. I would rather face eternity in his presence. Somebody say amen. Amen. Lastly, we need to have a great perspective of the process of preparation that he has for us. I'm going to make a statement that is not popular in most of charismatic Christianity. I personally believe that there is no greater method to develop character than trouble. I personally believe that going through tough times forms you like nothing else can form you. I do not not believe that your stupidity that makes you suffer is is clever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you're going about your business and suddenly everything blows up in your face and you face life at a level you've never faced it. And I suddenly found out in my country. Is that rain? Okay, I don't know what to say. So, <laughs> exactly. So, I, I land up in a country, and within two years of arriving there, I'm thrown into a wall. A real war where people are getting killed next to you. Where landmines are going off in the vehicle in front of you. You watch guys getting blown out of a, a, a big uh, RL. In those days, they called them a Bedford RL. I watched one of the most horrific periods of my life. In that place, I wish I could have been somewhere else. I wish I never got sent to boarding school, 2,000 miles from my parents, never again having a home from 11 years old. I wish I never went through that. I wish I didn't lose everything I ever had one day facing that I'm out of the ministry I, I wish it never happened to me I wish my dad never died I wish my mom never died I wish I never had to bury my best friends never forget we have, the, the second guy that I had to bury was, was, was my brother-in-law I loved him tremendously his name was Michael he's the guy I told you about that said he would die at 38 years old uh, 38 years old, he dropped dead, stone dead. And I had to bury him. And I, I remember standing in, in, the, in the church where hundreds of people were. And I had to go and, and do a talk about the, one of the guys I loved the most in life. I was breaking apart inside. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And God sent me a, a, a black African man, pastor, whose church it was. And all he did is he walked in and he's put his arm around me. And he said, he's going to give you the strength. You're going to be okay. Trust me. In Jesus' name. And I I walked out of that room and the grace of God fell on me. And I preached the gospel to hundreds of people. I wish those things never happened. I wish life was just one easy ride. But every time I've walked through the valley of the shadow, every time I've I've been in the presence of the enemies, he's prepared a table. He's watched me through the valley. And today I can stand with my wife. We can go anywhere. We can do anything. Because we've learned that he's, he's got a preparation process for us. And we don't take those battles and sink with them. We use them to climb up and to go higher. We learn to become more and more victorious. We learn that even if he delays, it's going to come. You don't know how many times we've had bills to pay. You know what I'm talking about. Man, and there is no money. It's not coming. Embarrassing but exercising our faith, learning the process. You understand? Learning how to use faith. Not not moaning and complaining, but learning to do the eternal things of thanks and praise and rejoicing and prayer and doing good. Remembering to do those things has caused us to just grow and grow in our faith. Today, we are calling in, today, we are calling in to our, uh, by the end of this year, we're going to have finished the, the, the building that we uh, uh, are building. Dennis saw the, the beginnings of it. We're building two cottages that, that, we've just found water on our property. There was, they told us there's no chance we would get Water. 67 meters later, the thing just gushed, squirted like crazy. We're getting 10 cubits an hour. I mean, as we've got more than enough, we, now we've got new plans. God takes your, your greatest challenge. We, we paid for three years, every week, every day. We paid for water $30 a day. Today it's gone we have no more problem. You have no idea what God wants to do for you, but he might not do it in the way you thought. Because after all, he wants to make you the person you should be. If you keep ducking the tough times, if you don't push through, if you run when they open the prison doors, instead of going back to do it again, and this time get it right. What are you made of? How vital are you for the kingdom? How vital am I? Have I I become who he wants me to be? Have I found my purpose? Have I partnered with God and said, Lord, no holds barred? See, people say to me, well, you were called to the ministry. Well, I just want to help you. We are all called to the ministry. The only thing is I do it full time. You and I are all supposed to be ministering. When you walk out of this door, you're supposed to be ministering. When you meet people, they need to feel that you love them, that you, you have got grace on your life. What is, what is the thing that will cause that all to happen? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the power of the Holy Ghost in us. And it's clear in Scripture that when we get seriously obedient, God starts to release things to you that he's never released before. That he's going to use you like he's never used you before. I challenge you today. Is there something that you know you should have done? Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus like you should have. Maybe you hang around the edges saying, well, I don't know. I thought Christians were wimps. I I didn't want to become a Christian because every Christian I knew was was like jelly, man. I found out Christianity is one of the hardest things. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It takes tremendous guts to be a Christian. Maybe you've never made the real commitment. Maybe you're a, what we call a drought sitter, which means a fence sitter. You sit on the fence, you know, you're not one side or the other. I'm, I'm challenging you. If you want to see God move on your behalf, you want to see God use you, you want to find out why you're on this earth, not just to keep messing up, give your life to Jesus totally. Make a solid commitment. Say, I will never turn my back on him again. When he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. Maybe you're a person that, you know, if God wants to bless you, you receive it. If God wants to push you into tough times, you fight him. Maybe God asks you to do things and you know you're supposed to and you don't. How often do you obey the Holy Spirit in the day? When he says slow down in your car, you slow down. When he says, give that parking to that person waiting, do you do it? The other day I had a woman nearly smash me because she wanted the par- <laughs> I mean, I was putting into the parking and she just. went. I thought, what was that? And I, I wanted to express myself. Do you understand? And I just felt the Lord say, son, what are you doing? Just pull back. I'll give you a better parking. And sure enough, he gave me a parking right in front of the store. Yeah, I wanted to fight her for a stupid parking, and I could have got a better one. But that's how we are. I'm not talking about giving away a lot of money, guys. I'm talking about everyday obedience. Don't speak to your partner like that. Don't speak to your kids like that. Don't criticize I told you when I get on a plane, I'm, I'm now going to close, really. When I, when I get on a plane, I found for three years I, I became increasingly worse. It was like I was just becoming another person. I would sit. I always got an early seat because I'm, I'm a, a, I've got membership with a certain airline and they give me preferential treatment. So I come in early, I sit down, so I watch every human walk on that plane. And there are hundreds. So, so we're talking about an Airbus A380. A, 800, I think it is. Uh, Airbus. So it's got two levels, and there's just tons of people. And I watch them coming through. And it's like a circus. It's like, that guy looks like an idiot. And man, that is a disgusting hairstyle. And I know you will not understand what I'm saying. All right, it's just my problem. Kids are screaming. People don't control their kids. That gets my goat. If you under, if a little kid comes running and upsets everybody and mom is right there and doesn't do anything about it, I have a thing about that. So I'm like getting worse. By the time we take off, I want to kill everybody on the plane. Please somebody raise your hand and say you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. I'm starting to go down right now. But I want to tell you, Holy Spirit said to me one day, as I was starting the flight, he says, today we're not going to do this anymore. And I knew exactly what he was saying. He says, son, you see good in everybody. I don't want you to see the bad. I want you to see the good in people. And I'm telling you, it took me a year to rebuild myself. To, put, to allow the Holy Ghost to build Jesus into me through the word of God. Because, and this is the closing statement, you cannot have a changed life unless you have the word get into you because the word must become flesh. So Jesus must become flesh in you. So Christ is formed in you. How? By the word through the power of the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost has got nothing to work with, you can't change. So if you want to know how to change an area of your life, find the word on it and build the word in. A gentle answer turns away wrath. What are you doing? Sweetheart, please, I just want you to know. Gentle answer turns away wrath. But when we we hit back at the same level, it just escalates. So we, we need to come to the place where we obey every prompting of the Holy Ghost. Oasis, I pray for you. I long for you and this great man of God to see new people pouring into this place. That this car park would be full. What do you call it? A parking lot. That it would be full of cars. That there would be new faces every Sunday. That you would, have, you would have the passion to see people come to Jesus. Not walk in here and just, oh well, it's just another Sunday. But that your eyes are looking, is there somebody new? Lord, we've been praying all week. Believing for new folk to come. You, you're a great group. We enjoy being here, but we want to see that you you start to see the type of impact that they had in the book of Acts. That no matter what the enemy does to you, you never back off. You keep pushing on to see Jesus glorified in your region. Amen? Amen. Please reach out your hand. Just for a moment, I want you, you to think a little bit. Because the key to all change is repentance. It's repentance. It's, and the reason you're putting out your hand is because I want you to receive something. I want you to catch something. You know, we can't change unless we own up. And say so I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to play games with Jesus. I'm going to make a solid commitment from today. I'm marking this day. I'm making a solid commitment to walk with Jesus. I'm making a solid commitment to read the word and to continue to read the word. So I'm praying for you right now. If you have never made a solid commitment to Jesus, I, I call on you. I call on you today and say, would you step across the line? And would you give Jesus everything you have? You will never be disappointed. He will change your life, I promise you. If you're a person that doesn't take every day the the notice to be obedient to what God is saying to you, i ask you right now, in Jesus' name, would you decide now to start to be obedient again? Not just to ignore him when he says, stop speaking like that. Not to ignore him when he says, stop looking like that but to start to really be radical in your obedience to him so that the power of the Holy Ghost would start falling in your lives, that you would start to see the miraculous happening around you, that prison doors start to open for you, that relationships are changed for you, that you start to see power flowing through you, that you see people changed by the love of God through you, I ask this all in Jesus' name, and would you by faith just receive it right now and say amen. If you're making a commitment, a real commitment for the first time, please let the pastor know. Please let the elders know. If if you're making a radical commitment to obedience for the first time in years, then tell somebody. Make yourself accountable. Amen. So, Lord, bless this church, I pray. Bless the leadership with insight and vision, uh, with deep, strong faith. Bless this church with manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, come in a powerful way into this room every time they come together. Break into their homes, do miracles for them, because the favor of the Lord is upon you and surrounds you like a shield. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much.